0: Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9:30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Even the things that we would say, man, there's joys and we celebrate. One thing, in the good and the bad and all that we go through, is that knowing that God is with us, that God is with us. And, and, and our whole series is really simple words and really in one title that God in his word declares who Jesus is, is this, he's Emmanuel, he's Emmanuel, God with us. And we're going to spend some time today talking about how God is, as we get this going, that God is with us in the waiting. God is with us in the waiting. Now, I did a little survey last service, and I want to ask you this service. How many of you would say you enjoy waiting? How many of you like waiting in line? Is there anybody here? I want to just make sure. Um, there's no one here that likes to wait in line? Nobody? No, nobody? Oh, Andrew, you're kind of doing this a little bit. We're going to pray for you after service because that, there's not, that's not right, okay? You kind of want to waiting. And I think Andrew's a relational guy. He's like, maybe you'll meet your new best friend in the, in the line. So you never know who, what relationships can develop, who, who you wait. Most of us, I think it looks like all of us, except Andrew a little bit, is that we don't like to wait. In fact, we hate to wait, right? That would be the, the case for, for most of us here today. We don't like to do that. And yet, Waiting is so much part of life, isn't it? Did you know if you live the average span of a life, you know, lifespan, you end up, you and I waiting average of five years in our life. Five years of your life is devoted just waiting in line, okay? How, you know, I don't know how many Black Fridays to survive or whatever. Maybe that would add up for the average person, maybe a little bit more. But much of our life is waiting. Now, why do we wait? Well, we wait because we're believing in something or someone or some experience is going to happen. We put hope in. We put trust in. We're going, it better be worth the wait. It better be worth the wait. When our family and I, we decided to, and I don't know why you, you could pray for us on this or why we chose this. And, but it ended up being a, it actually ended up being a fun trip. We ended up going and decided to go. Uh, last spring break to the happiest place on earth. I don't know if you've heard where that's at. They, they, they I know it's happy because they have a sign that says the happiest place on earth. Yeah. I, I'm at the gate. I see this, right? And, and so we get there. The only problem was, like during spring break, like everybody else in the world decided to come too, okay? And not only that, the Southern California schools were also out. So Disneyland is just absolutely packed. The average ride, this basic rides, you know, 75 to 90 minutes. We're, we're going along and we see, you know, the Dumbo ride is 60 minutes. I'm like, who's the Dumbo that's going to wait 60 minutes? Not this guy, okay? Uh, and so after the first day, I'm like, this is crazy, right? However, though, in the course of our week, we had in our travel package something that's called magic morning, okay. Right? And magic morning was this, is that you have the opportunity to get to the park, get inside the park an hour earlier, and you could just beat all the losers that they got to wait in you know normal hours. You're going to get in the inside in the park an hour earlier, and you're like, wow, what can we do? An opportunity? Well, we get in there and you know get in line, and then realize that everybody else in the world decided also <laughs> to choose their magic morning to be the morning that we chose. How the audacity to do that, right? So we finally get through the line to get into the magic morning moment, and there's one ride that we're going to rush to to get to, and we get to this there, and it says it doesn't open till 11 o'clock, okay? It's 8 a.m. <laughs> what? We wait, you know, so they, but they have what is called the fast pass line. So when you go back and you get fast passes, so when you go back there again, you get in another line to do that. So I waited in line at the fast pass for 20 minutes to get the fast pass. I still haven't rode, rode the, the, the ride yet, okay? And look at the time, it's, it's, it's 8 o'clock at night. Like, we gotta wait all the way to 8 o'clock so we get there. Finally, at the end of the day, okay, here it is, the big moment. There's a 45 minute line for the, did I say fast pass? The fast pass line, okay? And I'm like, there's gotta be a scam going on somewhere here and what we're going through. And so, As much as I'm, you know, doing a wonderful job of advertising, having a wonderful Disney experience, um, the reality is that we had fun. We had a great time, even in the waiting, even in all the struggles and all that we went through. You you wonder, like, is it worth the wait? Well, we got pictures um, and a bill to tell us that we had a really, (laughs) that we had a really good time, right? We had a really good time. So uh, anyway, here's the thing. if, If it was only amusement parks we had to wait in line for, right? Is it worth the wait? Now, one of the things that's kind of a danger in our technologically advanced world is that our waiting threshold has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter, right? With Instagram and Insta, you know, rice or whatever and, you know, Insta, there's always like on demand and the moments and everything's a click and and there's these magic morning moments that we all want. If I just click it and it doesn't click and I just keep clicking it, it'll finally happen. I, oh my goodness, I had to wait three seconds more. That's ridiculous. I need a faster phone, right? I mean, there's certain things that we do and we get caught up in this that we just wish, you know, a little pixie dust, just take care of these little things that will get us through. And yet, in our lives, there's a lot more at stake that we have to wait for than waiting in line. Some of us have to wait for that job offer to come through. We're waiting for that. Check to come in the mail we 're waiting for that new child or grandchild to be born we 're waiting for the news from that doctor we 're waiting we 're waiting for that loved one to finally come home or return to their faith you know there 's so many places in life that we 're waiting and here 's the thing about Christmas is this Christmas is really all about waiting. Advent is this waiting the coming of the Messiah to come and, and one, one, one of the things about Christmas for us that was different back in centuries ago is this. Christmas has already come. Christmas come in fact, Christmas comes every year for us, but back in one time and one time in history, Christmas never it hadn't come yet. The first Christmas hadn't come yet. in fact, people waited centuries for the first christmas to come they're they're waiting for the long awaited Messiah to come and save the world and and they waited and they waited and they're asking the question God, where are you and they, and the centuries in fact. 400 years go by, 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between Malachi and Matthew. No writings, no prophecy, no revelation, 400 years. And here I was complaining about a magic morning in Lyon, okay? 400 years. Let's be honest. Aren't there times in our life that God just seems, and they had this silent period in history, there's, there's times it feels like God's silent in our life. God's silent in our waiting. God, are you really there? Why are you so distant? Why are you so silent? And what happens, what sets in is that weariness is in the waiting. There's weariness that happens for us. And we start to begin to lose a little bit of hope that God is going to come through and our hope he's going to come through. And what's worse in the waiting is suffering and pain in the waiting, isn't there? There's there's one thing, just waiting, but enduring pain is, in the waiting period, is so hard in our lives. And we go, man, is it even worth it? For some of us, we even find that in our, in our, 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 our faith in God. Do we, do we trust God? God, is it, worth, is it worth it to follow you? Christ, is it worth to be a disciple that you've called us to? Is it to put this much effort? And so if you have those thoughts this morning, the Christmas story is for you and it's for me. If you're a person that struggles waiting, the Christmas story is all about waiting. In fact, as we start this Christmas series, I want us to be reminded of this is this, that God does His greatest work in the waiting. That God does His greatest work in the waiting. How many know this is true? And some of you would say what you've gone through in life, what you've what you experienced, the lessons you've learned, the growth, experience, and maturity, the leaning on and depending upon the Lord in many different ways, and, and where His timing ends up being perfect, you have been in the waiting, in his timing. And you've seen him do that, and you've watched him work in your life, and you've seen accomplished, but here you are again. You and I here, in a season at times, can be of waiting. Well, listen, it was no truer than the people that waited the 400 years in silence of history. Generations come and go, and pretty soon, in fact, we're going to look here at at the moment this morning when the waiting was over. That The ending came of this waiting period, and God would use one ordinary man to help bring on, in fact, the first moment we're going to read here today that opened up where the silence was broken and the revelation of who God is that the Emmanuel, God with us, would come about. See, you need to understand this time in history, after 400 years, many of the Jewish people have turned away from God. There was only a small remnant of people that were left holding on to the hope of Messiah. 400 years of silence was broken, and, and, and Luke records it for us. Though I want to read here this morning in chapter 1 as we do. Looking at verse 5, it says this In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Now I want to stop for a second. Zechariah, the actual literal name of Zechariah, means the Lord remembers or God remembers. And that's pretty significant to think about that. After 400 years of people waiting, in fact, people probably gave up on God in many different ways, in many different centuries. And, and, and this promise was still there about the fulfillment that was come that will come one day. That is it worth the wait? No, God remembers that God is gonna come through and he's gonna accomplish what he's going to do. And so, Zachariah says, who belonged to the priestly division of Agenai and his wife Elizabeth, we're also a descendant of Aaron. Luke gets very specific here and reminds us that both Zachariah and Elizabeth have significant spiritual heritage. They're part, their family's a part of the priestly line. It's kind of in our day where there's, there's preacher kids. There's, there's, you know, daddy was a preacher, your, your granddaddy was a preacher, you, you know, his daddy before was a preacher, there's a line of preachers, and that was kind of the same thing that was going on. That they were raised literally around the house of God, the temple of God. And all these generations of priests, what they would do is they had these duties, daily duties that follow the Jewish calendar. And this group, though, may have turned away, but this group would cling to the hope that the Messiah would come one day. And so Zechariah lived in this environment. In fact, it's possible, as you look at when this happened historically, that Zechariah learned. Lived in a day where there was a terrible thing that happened to the temple of God. 65 AD, there's a guy named Pompey, and he was a military leader, and he was pompous. In fact, that's where you get the word pompous from, is Pompey. And he went in, and as the Romans took over and conquered, he went into the, the temple, to the temple of God, and desecrated the temple. He went into the Holy of Holies. Did some profane things in that temple. I can't talk to you on a in a family audience today. And people were in fear. They're thinking that Pompey going to the holy holies because you know you understand the holy holies. Like if you go in the holy holies in an unholy way, you could be struck dead. Well, Pompey and his pompousness comes in and brags about nothing happened to him, and many 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 people turned away. This reason says. The Jewish people, their faith began to fade in such different ways. So Zechariah, at his age and what was happening close to the time of birth of Christ, he was probably a little boy, or at least his his parents probably told them what happened. This is an environment, a place of doubt, this God. And yet, Zechariah's name, what is it? The Lord remembers, The God remembers. And then God would use this man, now as an adult, become a faithful priest in spite of all the people that turned away. Pretty incredible why? Be- well, it's this, because of hope. He and his people believed that, that Christmas was coming, that there was going to be a day and believed that the Messiah would come as he had promised because God had not forgotten them. 700 years later, that, that prophecy faded, but this couple did not turn away and their people did not turn away. And Luke affirms their faithfulness of Zachariah and Elizabeth saying this in verse five, both of them, were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They were faithful. They didn't waver in their obedience to God. They did it with a right heart. They're blameless. I mean Nothing Nothing can accuse them of doing anything wrong. They were those kind of people that you can trust in. I mean, these are tried and true people. These are faithful people to God. I mean, man, you gotta know that God's gonna bless that, right? Well, it's interesting. Look at verse seven of them. It says, but they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So you need to understand back in that day that barrenness was not only heartbreaking for, for a family and a couple, but it was considered a curse. Lack of medical knowledge and people that what happened was people believed that infertility was actually the woman's fault of all people. And it couldn't, and they couldn't have kids. So it was it was a stigma that God had cursed them, that they'd done something wrong. That, that 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 people didn 't feel sorry for them they actually looked down upon them now, my wife and i we 've never experienced infertility we 've had a lot of other problems and struggles as a lot of people do, but that 's one unique area that we haven 't but I know there 's many people in this room or in our church at least people that have not only been trying to have kids and never can, had kids people have mid, couples have uh, miscarried some mean matter of fact stillborns have done some funerals i mean it 's sad like this hope and this promise that one day I mean you know we 're kind of going like Wait a second, God, you're, you're, there's like this command in, in, you know, in Genesis is be fruitful and multiply, and we're trying to be fruitful and multiply. What gives? God, why can't we have children? You know, it's, you want kind of that magic moment, you know, the pixie dust or something would work to trigger to have a child, and some, some of you know or experience yourself what that's like. Now, others of us haven't, but we've experienced barrenness in our life, haven't we? We've experienced at times in our life where we're hoping for and trusting in and believing in and we're trying to be faithful every day to what God's called us to and it's not coming through. We're hoping or trusting it's not happening. Over and over, we go through the cycle. God, what's, what happens? What did I do wrong? Is there something I did that, that's messing this up or others are doing? Why is this not, why are we not experiencing a breakthrough in our life? What is the purpose in all this? Yet we need to be reminded of this, that God does his greatest work, his best work in the waiting as we're going to look in the story because that's what was going through the minds and hearts. you got to think of Zechariah and Elizabeth. All these years, all these decades that they're praying, nothing's happening. And yet here's a moment. We're going to get to the moment for them personally, but here's a moment where that silence is broken. 400 years are broken here in verse 8. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God, and he was chosen by a lot by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were there praying outside. Now there's some details here that are, that are kind of maybe interesting, I, I, I find, is that, that all it says that it was his turn and his opportunity Zechariah had to take this priestly role to to burn incense. And what you need to understand is the the lot was cast, meaning it was like the lottery, and his number came up that he gets this privilege to do this. Not every priest got to do this. In fact, many of them didn't even have the opportunity in their life to do what Zechariah got to do. So it was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him to do. But on top of that, he had no idea, as much as he prayed and prepared for this moment, what was about to take place. In fact, not only would it be for him, but it would affect all of us for human history to come that was about to happen. Looking at verse 11, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of the incense. Where Zachariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. Now, have you noticed in Scripture, every time an angel appears, people freak? Have you seen that? Because a lot of times, you know, like we think of angels, right? We think of like Valentine angels, like little chubby bunnies or um, bunnies, chubby, chubby babies with yes. with wings or something like that. That's not. The Bible angels were fierce warriors. Okay, every time you see where the Bible says, they, 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 you know, they're gripped with fear when they saw the angel. In fact, the angel said to him, "This, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard." Wouldn't that be incredible to hear when you pray and you get a response back? Your prayer has been heard. Wouldn't it be great? Some of you just want a response back from people like that you direct message. Have you like? Don't you like it when you see, like when you read it and it says seen? Don't you like that when people, re- oh, they did read it. They didn't respond, but they did see it, right? And wouldn't it be great to get an emoji thumbs up from God that he's seen a prayer and he's, he's got it? Zachariah has this privilege. He has this moment. Now, what prayer are we talking about? What prayer was heard? It's the prayer. The prayer that his wife and him would someday, they've been praying for years and maybe decades. The prayer. What prayer? Exactly what prayer. Zachariah knew what prayer they've been praying. See, the angel said to him, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John you will call him John. In Hebrew, it's Johan. John, I don't know if you know this, it means God's favorite. is there anybody named John here today? Is there any Johns here today? That's surprising. There's no Johns in this room. But if you know a John, oh, back there, you are God's favorite, sir, in the back, okay? So that's awesome for you. Uh, We're out of luck, you know, but you're, isn't that a great name? god's favor and really that the angel goes on and talks about he will be a joy and delight to you and then in the next verse it says this he will bring back uh, of the people of israel to the lord their god and he will go on before the lord in the spirit and power of elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous now this term bring back. What does he bring back? Well, I just mentioned earlier, all these people, these Jewish people, turned away from God all through history. They waited, waited, waited. Nothing would happen. The people gave up on God, and Zachariah, God was going to use, and Elizabeth going to use, and they're going to give birth to this child, John. And John's was, job was to bring people back to God, to call people back to god see in the end of the the old testament malachi the very last verse says that they would turn the hearts of their children to their fathers and god would turn the hearts of children back to their children to their fathers and their fathers to their children and here this prophecy is being fulfilled now and that john was going to be this bridge and in fact john grows up and what who does he become he becomes john the baptist and John's message is this. He says he, he declares himself as a voice coming from the wilderness in the desert to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John's job was to prepare people for Jesus. God chose one dude to break the 400-year waiting period to reveal his plan. Why? Because he does his greatest work in the waiting. It's coming together. The plan is forming. Listen to Zechariah's response to this. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. And now listen how respectful of his wife. My wife is well along in years. I think that's pretty, because Zechariah doesn't know if this will get back to his wife. Okay. So he has to be really careful. Well along in years. Very polite there. The angel said to him. I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and I have sent to to speak to you and tell you this this good news. Well, what's the good news? Well, it's gonna be the good news. That through through them, the message of Jesus, his birth is going to take place. That the coming Messiah is gonna happen. And that their job and their son's job is to prepare the way for that to take place. Now I find this ironic and kind of funny in this whole story what happens next. So it's interesting, see, as I said, 400 years and no prophecy, no prophets, no one speaking any new revelation. There's no Bible, you know, scripture read, read or written or anything like that. For four centuries of silence, Gabriel breaks the waiting period with this. He says to Zechariah, Now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Zachariah, dude, way to go! Whoops! <laughs> Look at it. The Lord will silent. He silenced him. Think about this. After four hundred years, here's the guy, and he's got this news, and he's about ready to tell everybody. And they, 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 he comes out, and he's like, "What? What? Because this is what happens. Scripture says this. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah, wondering what he's. Why he stayed so long in the temple when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. He realized he had seen vision from the temple from for he kept making signs to them, reminding and remained unable to speak. There he is. He's think about this: like he wanted a sign, and God gave him sign language. I mean, that's that's really what he had to do for nine months. He had a plan. God had a plan, and what he's doing, it was a waiting period to take place. Well, Elizabeth. Becomes pregnant, and her cousin Mary comes to visit. Who's Mary? The Mary, okay? Comes to visit. And the Bible says when, when Elizabeth met Mary, John, baby John, leaped in her womb. because Something was about to take place. I mean, you know, God does his greatest work, his best work in the waiting. The gestation period is preparing and ready what is going to take place of the promised child to be born. And here, this one promised child was going to be born soon. And so everyone's gathered and this, this baby is born and they, they, they say, what are we going to name him? What are we going to name him? And Zachariah still can't speak. He gets a tablet and they're trying to get, he's trying to get their attention and, and they're saying, well, we'll just call him Zachariah. No, oh, Zachariah is like this. And he's like, he writes John on a board, John. Oh, God's favorite. Immediately, the scripture says, his mouth was open and his tongue set free. He was able to speak, praising God. And all the neighbors, look what happened, were filled with awe and thought And throughout the hillside country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondering about it asked, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Well, we already know that already. It's John the Baptist. John ends up being one that will as his role is to declare the coming of Jesus. Meaning this is John came telling people to prepare for the way of the Lord. And one day come, then the gospel is recorded that just, that's exactly what John did. John is baptizing people and preparing people. And then he looks over and he sees Jesus walking by and he says, behold, the son of God who, uh, who forgives, and forgives you. Behold, the son of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the lamb. Behold the Lamb, there he is. That's the work. I must be lesser. He must be greater. John did that work. John prepared the way for us. And for well, most importantly, for Jesus to be with us, God with us. Here this Christmas season, we we have a role that John's called, just John's called as well, to prepare a season for the coming of Jesus, who already came. He, he's already established that it happened in history. But this Christmas is an opportunity to prepare. But there's a waiting period. There's a waiting period for that to take place, for the message of Christ to be birthed into people that we can trust in and hope in but believe that God will will do that work. There's a waiting period. Some of you right now are in a waiting period. You would say this Christmas season, it's kind of a time of waiting not just for Christmas to come, but just life to come. Like there's struggles and issues and, and difficulties you're going through. Even at this moment, you're sitting here. What about, that was last, you know, first Christmas, Christmas. what about this Christmas? Some of you are wondering, is it worth the waiting? Well, I want to give you some encouragement today before we wrap up. Some thoughts about how God does his best work in the waiting. That if you're in the waiting, here's some thoughts for you to prepare for what God is going to do or about to do in his way. And it won't be Magic dust and, you know, pixie ducks and magic moments here. It's his plan in this. First is this, that is that God is not slow in keeping his promises, but has divine purpose in his appointed time. It's this, that God is not slow in keeping his promises, but has divine purpose in his appointed time. See, the fulfillment of Christmas reminds us that, that life is not random or by chance. There is a divine plan and divine work and divine timing that God's going to do it. Just like Gabriel said to Zachariah, that there's going to be a point in time for this baby to be born, and for not only their baby to be born, but the baby to be born. That that is all part, and it's going to change history. It was at the right moment, at the right time in history. Now, why would that happen? Why did he choose that moment, that right time? History would tell you this. A lot of people would say it was because of the Roman roads. The Roman roads were finally built. There was, there was an infrastructure in the, in, the, in, the, in, in the middle of the world that the gospel could be preached. Did God wait for the roads to be built first? Could be part of the plan, but there's a greater plan. It was a pointed time, a moment in time that God said, this is a time that my son's gonna be born and to be born into history to change everything. Know this, if you feel like you're kind of in a waiting period, it's this. The Bible says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. as Some understand slowness. But that he is, Scripture says in 2 Peter, that he is is patient with you. That none would perish, that all come to repentance. He is patient with you. See, when you're impatient in line and in traffic and that blasted train we wait for, right? Oh, I got to get, you know, I just want to be on the other side. I just got to get over there and there's... uh, God is, as you're lacking patience, God is patient with you. God is patient for you to respond to him in the moments you're, you think you are waiting, God is waiting. You think, why isn't God coming through? Why is he not doing it? Is there possibly some of the waiting periods on your end of it? That God is preparing you. See, you need to understand that God does his best waiting in you. God does his best work in you, preparing you. What is he preparing for? Not just the results that you want, but the results that he wants in his time and in his ways. There's purpose to all of it. In the midst of it, that we wait. And the period of, of waiting is this promise that he is with us in the waiting. He's there for us at every step of the waiting. Now, if you're feeling like you've been going through a silent period and you're feeling a little discouraged, that God seems to be distant, knowing this is this, waiting on God is never in vain. Waiting on God is never in vain. We went to Disneyland, and there's the day that we wanted to go see the fireworks. It was in the evening. It was just Grant and I. We decided to go. We're going to do it. And honestly, I have to admit, this was kind of a childhood dream. I, I never got to see the fireworks. And the time we'd been there before, they didn't have it. And so here it was. And But the only problem was we're all crammed together. Man, I love people. hate crowds. And we're just gathered like this, and we're watching Tinkerbell, and I'm looking at him like, Are we, is this worth it? <laughs> like, really? And we just want to see these fireworks. And, and then they would start making these announcements like, oh, due to weather conditions, we're going to have to delay the fireworks show. Please, sorry, folks, we're going to wait. And it was kind of waiting, waiting. And then finally, like, sorry, folks, we're going to have to cancel I've never seen people moan, like thousands of people moan at the same time. Like, oh, like, and all of us are like, we spent thousands of dollars, like, to be here in this moment, and nothing's happening, right? And I'm like, oh, welcome to first world problems, right? The fireworks didn't go off. And I think in our lives, sometimes there's this, these hope and these dreams, and maybe even a lifetime, think about Zachariah and you know, Elizabeth, I mean, they're, they're hoping and desiring, and they're coming, and, and yet there's this timing that God's doing this work, and he does the best and greatest work in us in this waiting. But I want to encourage you that waiting on something and waiting on God are two different things. That when we wait on God, the Bible promises this, is that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. The Bible says in Isaiah that they'll mount up like wings of the angels. They'll run and not become weary. They'll walk and not become faint that there's a waiting on God, and waiting on God is not in vain. When we wait on God, we're trusting in, and we're believing in, we're holding on to his promises that they will come true according to his will, and according to his ways, and according to his timing, because it is perfect. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, let nothing move you Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know this, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Can I encourage you this morning? Listen, listen. Encourage you this. In your waiting, don't give up. In your waiting to keep serving, to keep loving, to keep caring, to be keep laboring, keep sacrificing because it's worth it. You're praying for your loved one to come to faith. It's worth it. You're praying and hoping and trusting and believing and doing all that we know to do. Keep doing it because it's not in vain when we wait on the Lord. He will accomplish what he is going to accomplish. Now finally is this. When we are faithful, God uses our lives to fulfill his promises through us. When we are faithful, God uses our lives, your life and my life, to fulfill his promises through us. That's what he did with, very humble priest and his wife. Why them? Why not them? Why not them? Why not you? That God would trust you and I, that we would be faithful and we walk in humility and we walk in the surrendered life to him, that he wants to fulfill not only his will, but he wants to fulfill his will through us. We are his plan to do that through, that we would walk in a place of faithfulness, and trust in him that in the meantime, he is going to do his best work. And where does he do his best work? He does his best and greatest work in us. And what we learn along the way and how that happens is this. He get, begins to teach us in many different ways. To learn to depend upon him like we've never depended upon him before. You thought you had to trust him before. He ups the ante in another way and another strength, in another ability, another level that we have to really dig in deeper. And what I find when I dig in deeper as I go to God in a deeper way, my relationship gets deeper and my walk with God gets deeper and I grow and I learn and I mature and I've never really grown and matured in the easy times. It's always, isn't it? The difficult circumstances, the struggle is where I've grown the most. And you know that and I've known that we don't like it, but that's part of what we're happening because he's doing his best work in us. But ultimately, it's this. In the midst of us waiting and hoping and trusting is this, that God says this promise that he will be with us. He will be with us. What more do you and I need to know in all we're going through that God is with us? But what's so powerful is this. As we are faithful, you know what happens is God is more faithful. God is more faithful. Even when we're not faithful. Even when we're questioning poor Zachariah, he's talking and he has this great news and he has to wait nine months to tell everybody because there was, hey, we're not going to be perfect in the process of our faithfulness, but God is perfect and he is faithful. Hebrews tells us this, let us then hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who is promised is faithful. Can I tell you, and people in this room can tell you, testify that that you've experienced, they have experienced faithfulness in their life to a level where God has fulfilled their faithfulness, based on their faithfulness. There's been times, there's moments, and yet there's a lot of us are still holding on to hope that he can do it again. What he did before, we're trusting that God will do it again. I was reminded today, someone after the, the first service, uh, she reminded me of this, that you know, there's 400 years of waiting, and, and that's true, and that Jesus came and fulfilled, and we celebrate Christmas every year because of it. Hey, remind the people there's still two thousand years left to Jesus coming back again. There's a lot of waiting along the lines in our lives, but guess it. Guess what? The worth, the the wait is worth it, and what He is going to accomplish one day. Now our team's going to come as we pray, and as they do, I I, I just got this question. It's really simple. Who who or what are you waiting for this Christmas? Who or what are you waiting for this Christmas? What is it on a practical level? What is it? Is it is it a job you're waiting on? Is it a healing? Is it a baby that's going to be born? Is it a, uh, or hoping that one day you have a baby, a person to forgive, a loved one to come to Christ and answer to a prayer or to a problem that you have? What, what might that be that you're waiting, not just waiting, that you're waiting on God, you're trusting in, knowing that he is faithful. My encouragement to you and I is this, don't give up. Don't give up in the waiting. Don't give up the fact that there, where faithfulness comes in and trust comes in and, and, and to do what God's called us to do is what matters the most. Don't give up because he hasn't given up. He hasn't given up on the promises he's yet to be fulfilled. Isn't that so exciting about life? Is He hasn't fulfilled everything. If everything would be filled, life would sure be boring, wouldn't it? There's an anticipation of what's going to happen next and what he's going to do and I tell you, it won't be pixie dust and some kind of magic moment you're going to have, but there is moments that we can't experience breakthrough. that God wants to do a work in you and through you. And guess what? The best work is, is in you. The best, the greatest work is, is in the waiting and the, the process of making you not only accomplish what needs to be accomplished in your life or what he wants, but the best work is in you of who you end up becoming. In the process of this beautiful promise that we have, and we celebrate this Christmas season, is this that He's with us in the waiting. He's with us in whatever we're going, whatever we're facing, and He's here this moment. We bow with me as we pray. I want to remind us, or hope I think you're reminded already, that it's worth it. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, you know it can be difficult. Some of you here today ask, you know, ask that question. What are you waiting for? Who are you waiting for? If it's God, what God wants to do, it's going to be worth the wait. Ask that question. Is it God? God, Or is it my own desires? Is it my own hopes and dreams? Or is it what God wants me to have? If it's God, it's going to happen. Now, his ways, and his timing, but recognizing that his timing is always perfect. Jesus came, Bible says, at just the right time. Just the right moment to come and die for us. But while we were so sinners, Christ died for us. This birth we celebrate led to death on the cross for you and I. And that was the right moment of birth and it was the right moment of death so that we could come and have faith in Christ and, and trust him for our sins and be blameless and holy before God in this relationship that he wants with us. That the Christ of Christmas is not someone who comes, came and just dwelled, on this earth. He, the message of Christmas also is that he came to dwell in you. He does his best work. God gave his best to dwell in you and in me. Lord, thank you for this time and this opportunity. Lord, I pray for those that are waiting right now. They're waiting on someone or something. Lord, there's, there's pain in the waiting, not only emotionally. Some people are in this room today and they're feeling physical pain. They're waiting, Lord, for you to heal them and touch them. Lord, will you do that right now, Lord? Can we ask for your healing to come right now in their lives? For some of us, I was praying with someone early this service. They're experiencing emotional pain, abuse. Lord, will you be with that person right now, what they're faced with and what they gotta go home to right now, Lord? God, I pray for those that are just needing some patience in the waiting. Lord, May you bring an assurance in their life that you have this incredible promise that you fulfilled 2,000 years ago, and that is you're with us and you're, because now you're in us through your spirit. Lord, there's more waiting. We're 2,000 years in the waiting of you coming back, and we'll celebrate, and it'll be incredible. But in the process, Lord, there's a work that you're doing in each and every one of us. God, I pray you recognize, we would recognize it this week. Even this moment, God, speak to us what that might be we can share the promise that you, whatever we're going through, whatever we're facing, that you are with us. Emmanuel, God with us, we pray. In Jesus' name.